Good morning, church. God is good. All the time. It's starting to look a little bit like Christmas around here. If you walk in the foyer, you came in through the foyer, you notice some of the decorations already going up. And it is that time of the year. How's your Christmas shopping going? Anybody have it all done? One of you. There's one in, there was one in first service. Two of you. Oh, my goodness. I need to hire you so I can get mine done. Um, God bless you. Um, I don't know if you know or not, but uh, the city of Beaumont made headlines uh, the other week. It was in the LA Times and others that there were two women who were camping out in front of Best Buy for 22 days. 22 days before the Black Friday sale. It started on November 5, camping out to get that TV, right? I don't know. It just doesn't seem like worth camping out in front of a store for 22 days is worth of TV for me, but there you have it. 22 days. They had a nice little system down, though, because there were two of them. Uh, you know, one could go home and shower up and get food and use the restroom, and the other one would wait, and then they'd, you know, back and forth and so forth. But they asked why, why they went out so far in advance, and they just said, because we just can't take the chance that we are not first to get into that store because it's first come, first serve. So I hope none of you are camping out in front of stores for 22 days. You might need a pastoral visit, all right? I found this uh, little tidbit interesting from Business Insider last month. If you think Christmas music drives you mad, you could actually be right. They said it's that time of year again, the most wonderful time of the year when Christmas carols ring through shopping malls, department stores, and if you're lucky or unlucky enough, maybe even your own office building. However, rather than adding a necessary spring in the step of those overworked by the holiday season, psychologist Linda Blair says that the songs of the holidays likely detract from worker productivity. People working in the shops at Christmas, she says, have to tune out Christmas music because if they don't, it really does stop you from being able to focus on anything else. You're simply spending all of your energy trying not to hear what you're hearing. Many workers are likely to agree heartily with that assessment. However, it likely won't change the perspective store owners hold on the matter. Why? Obvious. Combining the right sensory mix of music, colors, and scents has been proven to help shoppers feel more positively about shopping and, as the season dictates, spend money. Well, we have now come to the season we refer to here in Calamesa as Christmas in Calamesa. When I first arrived here in 2009, I uh, arrived in September and I had a previous engagement to be out of state on the weekend in which we were doing the Christmas decorating here in Calamesa. So I missed out on the festivities that I know many of us, especially as Dr. Bob said, some of our younger couples are going to be here tomorrow morning to help us decorate, right? Did I get amen? There we go. Got a few from the older people. <laughs> and I, uh, I'd heard about decorations, and I said, yeah, 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 okay, you know. And I, I came in the office that week, and I came through the back door of my office, and I walked into the sanctuary from the door in the corner. I walked in and went, about fell over. I said, yes, Calamesa does decorations. I've never seen a church decorated like this before. And I knew I was, I was in for Christmases to come. This is the place. If you uh, have not been in this sanctuary during the Christmas season, I know it doesn't look like it now, but there'll be a big change between today and next Sabbath. There are no decorations up yet, but Christmas is coming. 
Christmas is coming, and I always think at Christmas about the Chronicles of Narnia, especially the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I've mentioned this years ago, I remember, in a Christmas sermon, and I thought it was time to bring it back again. But I've always loved that quote about the description of Narnia, where it's always winter and never what? Christmas. Always winter and never Christmas. In fact, I just want to pick up a part where Lucy is talking to Edmund. And Edmund says, the white witch, who's she? And Lucy says, she is, and I love this description, she is a perfectly terrible person. She calls herself the queen of Narnia, though she has no right to be queen at all. And all the fawns and dryads and dwarfs and animals, at least all the good ones, simply hate her. And she can turn people into stone and do all kinds of horrible things. And she has a, made a, a magic so that it is always winter in Narnia. Always winter. But it never gets to Christmas. And she drives about on a sledge drawn by reindeer and her wand in her hand and a crown on her head. Always winter, but never Christmas. You know, I know we don't follow a liturgical calendar, but it's the Advent time of the year. The time many churches participate in a season of celebrating the coming of the Christ, but also the longing for a Savior, the waiting of his arrival, thus Advent. And this season to me expresses the wait, W-E-I-G-H-T, and the wait, W-A-I-T, of the Advent season. That longing for the one to come. The one that you have heard about. The one that, you know, loves you and you long to be with. Last week, I introduced you to our youngest member of the family, Obi. Our nine-month-old Labradane. And uh, how he had gotten into the trash a little bit during the Thanksgiving preparations. Well, last Sunday I was up and my family was still asleep upstairs. And so I let the dogs out and so forth. And I was sitting in this chair in the family room and I looked over. And now I have to say this. Now, the dogs love me, but they really love my wife. I mean, they just, when she comes home, they just celebrate. When I come home, I get a little excitement. But when she comes home, they celebrate. Now, just to show you the devotion and the longing from Obi, I took a picture last Sunday morning. It tells you how much he thinks about me, right? I'm there in my chair, I'm ready to give him attention, but no, he longs for Lisa to come downstairs and just be with him. He's just sitting there, so I was sitting there and I, I took a picture and I texted it to Lisa. I said, someone's waiting for you. They're longing for you. Can you feel the love, you know, from upstairs? Longing for the one that he loves. And so we also in this Advent season, we wait. And we long for the one who has come to return again, to come again. And we thank God that it's not always winter and never Christmas. But as we anticipate the coming of God, the celebration of the magnificence of Jesus, I believe it's important for us to remember in our moment of anticipation leading to celebration, the marvelous intentionality of God, the behind the scenes, if you will, leading up to the arrival of our Savior and our King. We see much of it through his work of sending messengers, 
messengers to prepare the way of our king and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Long before the angels praise God with glory to God in the highest, to the shepherds. And the magi come with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God was sending messengers. His message that Christmas is coming. To let the world know that he was coming. Hundreds of years before, God was letting us know that he is on the move and was very active. Or to refer to C.S. Lewis once again, Aslan was on the move. God was sending notice. He's going to come. His kingdom is on the way. He's on the move. He's working. Even when you don't see it or think he is concerned, he's working. He's coming. He's going to show up big. It's important for us to remember God's activity leading up to our Savior's birth. It's vital as people of God, we humble ourselves and honor our God for the God he is. The God who stops at nothing to save his creation. The God who is always working to save, to redeem, to reconcile, to restore and renew. And this morning I want us to take the time to hear and to see and remember these messages from God and from God's messengers. There are many, but for the sake of time and our focus on Christmas and its season, we'll look at the major ones. You can't usher in Christmas without the great prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was written around 700 years before the birth of Jesus. 700, we're not talking seven years. We're not talking 70 years. 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And listen to these words. From Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I want us to take just a moment and notice how vivid the description is of our God and our Savior. 700 years before he was coming. God was so active. God was moving. I want to just take a moment to pause before I go on to some other scriptures and go back to verse 6 because the names of our God, the names of Christmas, if you will, and the gift of who he is. I love Sunil and the story that he told today somewhere over here. I see his mom, but uh, what devotion, wrapping yourself in lights and everything, right? Doing all that. And I love the, you know, and what's one of the greatest parts? The presence. Yes, that's fun. But church, we celebrate 
the greatest part of Christmas, which is the presence with a C, right? The presence of God. The presence, that's the gift of Christmas to us. And so here, I want us to take a moment in verse 6 and just pause and notice these names for our God. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want us to take a moment because I believe that at least one of those names, one of those characteristics for our Redeemer is a gift for you today in this Christmas season. Are you needing him to be your wonderful counselor? Are you needing him to be your mighty God or your everlasting Father or your Prince of Peace? Because he's come and he wants to be that for you. Let him be that for you. Isaiah 7, 14 says these familiar words, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us. The presence. And then Isaiah 52. 52 verse 12 going into 53. The amazing words and description of our Savior, of the Christ child, where there is no glory, there is no grand celebration, but the description of the sorrow and the suffering that he would be for us. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. You see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told they will see and what they have not heard they will understand. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before them like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Merry Christmas, church. The greatest gift we can have. The God who came, who took all of the sin and the suffering and the pain and the sorrow, so much so that you wouldn't even recognize him. And he came because God was on the move. And God's messengers were proclaiming and God was active before all the glamorous light and the glitter. Let's take a look at two more messengers, those that came to Joseph and Mary, those, those angels, Gabriel coming. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about, Matthew says. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But... But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Then the wonderful story of the message and the messenger to Mary. In Luke, in, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Or as some of us might know this passage, nothing will be impossible for God. Remember, there's no star yet out. There's no angelic choir at this point, but God was getting ready to deliver on his word way back from the beginning of time. The head of the serpent called the devil was going to be crushed. God's kingdom would soon be breaking through as never before. The kingdom of God in the flesh was coming. Get ready to usher in the king, God's messengers were saying. Get ready because his majesty is coming. Get ready. God was sending his message through his messengers loud and clear. He was saying it's not always going to be winter and never Christmas. He was saying get ready for the magnificence of Jesus. I was in line yesterday for a late lunch. 
I was, um, it was about 3.30 or so, and I was a bit hungry. And when I'm hungry, I'm not always the most, not always the nicest person to be around. Uh, I'm not mean, but I'm not the nicest I can be either. I was in line at a food place in Redlands, a place that unfortunately for me usually takes too long to get through line, but it's worth the wait. And I was in line and I was, uh, I was dressed very casual. I was wearing some jeans. I was wearing a t-shirt and the t-shirt had a scripture reference down the side, a passage from Galatians. And uh, I'd forgotten that I was wearing that t-shirt and referenced the passage. And as I was standing there, this lady, I noticed this lady kind of kept looking at me strangely. And she said to me, she goes, Galatians. And I said, yes. She goes, Galatians is the, what finally got me out of the Adventist church. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas to you, right? <laughs> she had no idea I was an Adventist or not. That was, that was, those are the first words she said to me. And, um, and I said, oh, really? I go, well, Galatians is what's kept me in the Adventist church. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I need to be listening more than I'm speaking right now. And she looked at me, and she goes, oh, so you're an Adventist. And I said, yes. And she says, well, I have something for you. And then I realized in her hand she had that magazine that ends up on our cars a lot during church services at times, you know. <laughs> and uh, I noticed that, and I was thinking I really don't want that, but I didn't say that to her. And um, I was kind of torn because my spirit was crying out to be, be compassionate with this woman, yet my flesh was crying out to eat lunch at the same time. And so she, um, we, we talked a little bit, and I, I usually don't tell people, I, I try to hold off as long as I can, if at all possible, to not even mention that I'm a pastor. Um, but she was kind of pushing a little bit, so I kind of threw that one out there, you know? And I said, because I just, I, I want to know, there was no way she was going to convince me. And so she, she said something, and I said, well, I go, yeah, I, I'm an Adventist. I go, in fact, I'm, I'm actually a pastor in the Adventist church. Oh, yeah, almost 30 years now. I was trying to, like, you're not going to budge me, okay? Now, I just want you to know, as your pastor, I'm usually not that pushy, <laughs> but I was hungry. <laughs> and so she kind of, we talked, and then, you know, I was trying to just kind of have a conversation with her. And she looked at me and she goes, crosswalk? And I go, something about me look like crosswalk? No, I said, uh, Calamesa, uh, actually. She goes, oh, I know a family, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah. And then found out she actually went to the same academy that I went to. Um, she's graduated several years before me, though, uh, but knew one of my sisters and so forth. And so just trying to build this relationship in the short amount of time we have, you know, going along here. And then uh, we got right to the food part where they start asking you what you want to put on your lunch there. And, and uh, out of the blue, she goes, you know, the law came after Abraham. And I said, yes, that's correct. I go, but it's never really been about the law, has it? She looked at me like, you're an Adventist. You're supposed to be all about the law. It's never really been all about the law, has it? And then she turned around and told her what she wanted. And I thought we were going to continue the conversation as we went through line. But the conversation wasn't continuing much after that. And then I thought at least as we paid, I'd be able to say, hey, it was great talking to you, but she was gone. And I thought, you know, church, 
I want our church to be known about the magnificence of Jesus, not the magnificence of the law. And don't get me wrong, I love the law. It's life-giving. But if we would have done all right with, that, with, with the law, Jesus would have never needed to come. And when we get to heaven, we're not going to be worshiping the law. We're going to be worshiping Jesus. Thank God for Jesus and Christmas. Because that's what this life is all about, the magnificence of Jesus. And God sent his messengers not to magnify anything else but Jesus and to magnify that he is sending a savior to redeem us, to restore us, and to make all things new again. Just as God sent his messengers years and years ago, I believe God still sends messengers. God still is sending his message of redemption and love and grace to the world. I want to invite us this Christmas season to be listening for the messages. Be aware of the messengers God's bringing through your life. It could be a person. It could be something in creation. It could be whatever. It could, it could be the most crazy thing. God came with his messengers in crazy situations, in situations that were dark oftentimes, in ordinary, mundane things of life. And at the same time, church, I want to invite you to also realize that God is probably inviting you to be a messenger in the life of someone else this season. To remind them, no matter how crazy this world gets, no matter how many strange things we hear on the news and concerning things on the news, it's not always going to be winter, that Christmas is coming, that God is on the move. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful and that you have come and so we celebrate Christmas and we rejoice that you are coming again. And so Lord, we thank you that you sent your messengers ahead of time to let the world know that you are coming, that it wouldn't always be winter. And Jesus, we know that you do the same today, that your message of God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son is alive today. And so may we listen for your message to us and may we allow ourselves to be your messengers in this Christmas season to give people hope to know that there's a future because of Christmas, because of the Christ who has come and is coming again. I invite you now just to a moment of silent prayer to listen to the message that Jesus has for you today in the stillness of this moment. So
Can I just say how blessed I am by you four kids this morning? Thank you so much. <laughs> we are blessed in Calamese, I'm telling you. You were God's messengers this morning. The Holy Spirit spoke through you and touched my heart this morning. Go be God's messengers. God bless you. <laughs>